<laughs> you just had that one ready. That's crazy. The world is getting crazier. People are acting more and more insane. The end of the world is tomorrow. 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 There's only one thing to do when the world is falling apart. Listen to Basil and Gonz as they discuss this week's news and events through the lens of Bible prophecy. You are listening to Canary Cry News Talk. You're listening to Canary Cry News Talk. Today is August 17th, 2020. This is episode 232. And today, devil's in the politics. You know me. I'm your best buddy, Basil. And this is Gons trying not to melt. Is it hot over there? It's pretty warm, yeah. Got a heat wave? Wow, wow. The directed energy weapons are uh, hovering over us. It's hot all over the place. There's fires going on everywhere, metaphorical and literal fires. And uh, we just want to thank everybody for being here. We we were uh, unable to do Friday's show. Uh, we give you a little warning about that. So uh, we apologize if anybody was sitting there waiting for it. But we're back today, back on the schedule. Today will be a, a little bit of a shorter show, um, but that's okay. We, we've got some very important things to go over, so we're happy you're here. I'm looking over here at uh, Twitch, the Twitch channel. It's, I don't know, I can't tell if, if they're counting these numbers right or wrong, but it's a very low viewer count over at twitch.tv slash canarycryradio. So uh, we would like to encourage some people to hop on over there on Twitch to help us out with those numbers. We got to keep those up. <laughs> um, so we appreciate it. It's all low. That. It's all low it right is, now. Nobody it is really... very low. I wonder, makes me curious if these notifications are going out, but that's okay. We still got a great show. And uh, remember, it'll be up on the RSS feed. If you haven't done it yet, subscribe to Canary Cry Radio on whatever podcatcher you use. Newly on Amazon, what? Amazon Music? What is it called? I don't, I don't know. know. Podcast. I don't know. We're all over the place now. It's we're having a good time. But what's what's new with you, Guns? Anything? Just waiting on that hundred million dollar Spotify deal, like Joe Rogan, <laughs> so we can move to Texas and just you know and bunker up, <laughs> lift weights um, or whatever he does. I had a fun thing happen. Uh, well, it's regarding the show and listeners and everything. There was a flood of people joining the Canary Cry community on Facebook. Um, and, you know, when you ask to join, there's a couple questions uh, just to make sure that, you know, we're not letting randos in. And one of the questions was, how did you hear about the Canary Cry community on Facebook? And we had a, a nice little handful of people say that uh, they heard it from Mike Heiser, Dr. Mike Heiser. Ooh. So he must have mentioned us recently, which wow. is always nice. That's nice, um, Mike. Appreciate that. Yes. Yeah, so thank you, Mike. And thank you, those who are new to the show because of Mike. I still don't um, know why he moved. I think he moved to Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm like, why did you go to Florida? What's personal what's Florida? reasons? None of our business. If it, <laughs> <laughs> if I had to guess how Mike Heiser would answer that question, he would say none of our business. He would say it is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. You know, it's all about context. He wants to. Yeah. He wants to be closer to uh, the Bermuda Triangle to explore yeah. his theories 
That's uh, right. All right. So there you go. And if you haven't heard about Dr. Michael Heiser, a uh, great friend of the show, great uh, Canary Cry radio guest, got some great, uh, he was on the Joy Spiracy Theory, wonderful biblical scholar, author, that type of guy, uh, recently went a little bit more mainstream. And, oh, you got uh, huge. We're happy. We're happy. He's, he, yeah, he's huge. He's, he's um, so big now. It's He doesn't answer emails. It's okay. <laughs> he answers my emails. Oh, Actually, maybe it's just me. I, I got a fun thing I'm working on, and uh, I had to get some permission from Mike about something, and okay. he gave it to me. Booyah! <laughs> Take <Great>. that. <laughs> okay, let's jump into the show here, Gons, and uh, let's start out with a flippy update. Flippy update. Do you want fries with that? <laughs> Okie dokie, everybody. We are starting uh, the show off with a Flippy update. If you don't know Flippy, now's the time to know. He is the disembodied robot arm that is taking our jobs, enslaving our children. And this is not a joke. He's flirting with our spouses, folks. So you got to keep an eye on this little rascal. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, originally started flipping burgers and now is making his way into industries and our lives across the planet, whether it's a globe or a pancake, it doesn't matter. But uh, D from the Facebook book i think he's in the face Uh oh now i'm questioning no it wasn't d it was uh some other user in the canary cry community sent me this and it was uh you know once you start listening to this show it's really funny you are on the list to get advertised for uh miso robotics the the producer <laughs> of the original flippy so people are sending me this all the time you know they probably looked up who's talking about flippy the most and they found canary cry news talk and they're like oh man why Dude. Totally. We're at the Canary Cry. <laughs> uh, the Canary Cry Commandos Canarians are the prime target for Miso Robotics advertising. They're probably and, like, uh, why have they mentioned Flippy 270 times? <laughs> We're their biggest fans for sure. <laughs> All right. So uh, Misa Robotics had a, a, a sponsored ad going around Facebook, and this is how it reads. Misa Robotics adds new contact tracing function to mitigate spreading infections in the kitchen. Misa Robotics recently introduced a contact tracing technology update to its CookWrite platform, which includes Flippy, the robot arm. The computer vision technology platform that enables restaurants to leverage AI and analytics in the cooking process. This new platform is currently in beta mode with the new contact tracing functionality. Restaurants will be able to have oversight on worker interactions in the kitchen and measure efficacy and adherence to social distancing protocols. The platform tracks individuals using image-based contact tracing and yields both space heat maps and alerts on distance violations. Ooh. Today, 83% of companies do not have systems in place to track all of their workforce's exposure to risk. Miso plans to offer advanced AI analytics at a monthly SaaS fee. Sir, uh, what is software SaaS? as a service. software as a service uh, with CookWrite to mitigate the costly risk of spreading infections? Miso's campaign has sur surpassed $5.79 million raised, making it the company with the most investments currently on seed invest click the link below to invest today so you can invest but uh there you go flippy not only is he flipping burgers taking our jobs and uh flirt flirting with our spouses but he is um 
Uh, going to be keeping an eye on everybody in the kitchen, making sure that they adhere to social distancing and alerting your boss uh, to uh, distance violations. It's the the eye in the sky, if you will, in the kitchen now. So there you go. Flippy is watching. I think uh, this is just a prediction because uh, do you remember when Flippy had the Dodgers thing and you know he's dressed in blue and that, that whole deal? We covered yes. it a long time ago. They're going to do a flippy first pitch. I'm calling it oh now. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Very calling good call. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Just, just want to throw that out there. Yeah. That'll be great. That'll be the, the <laughs> pinnacle of, ach- of human achievement. Yeah. Um, so there you go. There's your flippy update. They're expanding services. And now not only will he flip your burgers, but he will tattletale on you to your boss <laughs> if you get too close to your coworkers. Doesn't he know snitches get stitches? Doesn't, oh, man. He, he, must, he needs to listen to the show. Snitches get stitches. <laughs> Dude. Miso Robotics owes us so much money for all this free advertising. (laughs) (laughs) They got that six mil on Seed Invest. They need to start kicking it our way. Seriously. They're getting a lot of free advertising from us. You got any updates uh, since last show here? Yeah, we got a few to run through here. It's been burning. A lot of things burning around here, but uh, USA Today... Reported Death Valley hits historic record of 130 degrees. Californians oh endure blackouts amid heat wave. And this was in Palm Springs, California. Parts of Southern California desert experience record-breaking heat on Sunday with Death Valley hitting 130 degrees, the hottest temperature the area has recorded since July 1913, according to the National Weather Service. Wow. And uh, weird, 1913, the year the... Uh, Federal Reserve was created in America, so oh, that's interesting. Some uh, that was weird the year timing. that my great grandmother was born. Oh wow, yeah, good info. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Fascinating. Uh, Fascinating. Some say the record could be among the hottest ever recorded in the world. While other areas didn't experience that drastic of a scorcher, the whole state is still in the midst of a heat wave, and most of Southern California. Is under an excessive heat warning through 10 p.m. Thursday. So if if everything goes out, uh, I I was hit by the rolling blackout. Just uh, where again, are you? Well, I'll, I'll just now, say. What it. is the reason? Why are there blackouts during a heat wave? Is it because everybody's running their air conditioning? Yeah, yeah. And I think uh-huh. they're they're changing some of the technology, and they didn't do a very good job with uh, managing that. And so there's there's some some issues going on there too. But I haven't experienced a blackout yet. But I, I'm just putting it out there that if it happens during this broadcast, most oh, likely wow. it's it's one of the, you know it's a rolling blackout that hit uh, where yeah. I'm. Chances at. are that it probably will. Anytime anything <laughs> wrong can go wrong, it happens during the show. Yes. So. Yeah. And did you know I I was trying to find things that melt at 130 degrees, and I I couldn't uh-huh. find a lot because it's it's hot, but it's not. You know, it's it's not like it's super not hot, like plastic melting hot or anything. Yeah, it's cooking an egg on the sidewalk. You hot, can, but. yeah, you, you can do that. And uh, I, I learned that a candle uh, melts at 160 degrees, so it's getting up there. You know, candle wax. Yeah. Well, that makes me a little bit afraid. I recently left a candle out on my uh, patio table, and it completely melted and covered the whole <laughs> table in wax. So that table must have gotten pretty hot. Okay. And melt those babies 
into candles. <laughs> we also <laughs> just had that one ready. That's just, crazy. Just ready. Uh, more updates here. We got a we got a Bitcoin blockchain update here. Blockchain. And this is Forbes.com. U.S. Postal Service counters Trump attacks on mail-in voting with a new blockchain patent. Mm. And um, I don't think that this is a counter. I, I actually think this might be a move by Trump. But anyway, it says here, as news of Trump trying to shut down the U.S. Postal Service. I don't think he's trying to shut them down. But anyway, no, Forbes. that's more exaggeration. Yeah, Install mail-in voting captures the headlines. The U.S. Patent and Trademark Office today made public a patent application from the USPS titled Secure Voting System that describes using blockchain technology to secure mail-in voting. The application is reported as filed on February 7th, 2020, and the invention is described as, quote, a voting system that can use the security of blockchain in the mail to provide a reliable voting system. A registered voter receives a computer-readable code in the mail and confirms identity and confirms correct ballot information in an election. The system separates voter identification and votes to ensure vote anonymity and stores the vote on a distributed ledger in a blockchain. Yeah. Uh, you know, th this is sort of the, the application of a blockchain, although, you know, I don't know if they're doing a public blockchain or a private blockchain, like a permission. I'm sure one. it's private. I guarantee it's private. And you know, it's interesting because ever since blockchain as a utility that, uh, can be used in really any computing or, or networking system, there's been a lot of talk about using blockchain for online voting yeah. or, you know, voting from your phone and stuff like that. There's a lot of problems why that it hasn't, you know, it hasn't quite been worked out, but this is an interesting uh what's the word i'm looking for compromise maybe it's interesting compromise or first step towards using blockchain for voting uh in that you know your vote's not necessarily recorded on the blockchain but your mail-in ballot the existence and verification of your ballot is uh put on the blockchain so it's kind of a half step towards yeah. uh blockchain voting which i guess that's better yeah, yeah. it's it says here the blockchain tech was utilized at the Utah Republican Convention as well as in Arizona to send delegates to the Republican National Convention after each state decided to hold their conventions remotely. So they've used some of it before, but mm -hmm. I, I think, um, you know, part of using blockchain for mail in general might be a good idea just, you know, because you have your tracking number and all this kind of stuff. It's similar to that anyway. Uh, right. but it would make it so you don't have to, I don't know. It's kind of the same thing. You look up the number and you see where it is in the, in the, you know, the process of getting a package mailed to you or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think part of the, the problem here is identity. Uh, you know, it says anonymous here, which again, it's not a, an exact one-to-one -one vote on the blockchain, but it's close. Yeah. Uh, but then you start talking about how do you verify identity? And then it becomes a, a bigger issue of like, okay, well now you have this immutable ledger that somebody else can look at that has all of everyone's records of who they voted for and you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, it's still in development, but you know, overall, yeah, it's interesting. I, I think this is going to uh, probably help with the, at least, at least in an attempt to not have corruption with, you know, some kind of mail-in voting procedure. It does have the potential, yeah, to uh, mitigate a lot of those risks. Right, right. And so I know they're making it sound like this is an anti-Trump move, like, oh, Trump wants to destroy the post office. So, you know, the USPS came back with blockchain, and it's not quite that. It's more, 
It's more just development of the technology yeah. plus Trump probably well, helping in some way to interesting, make sure. Interestingly enough, uh, the USPS has been actually working with uh, integrating blockchain into the postal service for a few years now. They're yeah, actually one yeah. of the leading uh, public entities. I'm sorry. Yeah, public entities um, to start integrating that. So they had a little bit of a head start. We'll see how it works out. RIP Epstein, a.k.a. Lil Mossad in chat says blockchain is love. Blockchain is liberty. Blockchain is freedom. <laughs> so it's liberty and freedom. We had to make it. We had yeah. to make a distinction there. Yeah. Um, but all right. There we go. Yeah. The, another example of how blockchain as a as a technology. Now, just to, for those who need reminding, uh, just because something says blockchain does not mean that it's Bitcoin or cryptocurrency. They are not right. synonymous. So this is the technology uh, that is beneath cryptocurrency uh, being repurposed for other uses. So we'll right. see. We'll see how it goes. And in fact, Bitcoin's breakthrough wasn't even the use of of blockchain technology. It existed prior to yeah, IBM. IBM has uh, block uh, papers describing blockchain. I don't think it was called blockchain at the time, but IBM has had papers on blockchain since the eighties, early eighties. Right. Yep. So there you go. Uh, and then we got uh, anything else on that other than Bitcoin at nope. $12,312, according to my- Bitcoin, go to moon, baby. Go to moon. Um, okay. So one more quick update here. It's got to be biblical. And this was shared quite a bit. Uh, the historic, this is Yahoo, news.yahoo.com. Historic Israel deal won't likely bring peace to the Middle East. Of course, no, uh, Trump said it would. Yeah. Well, yeah. It depends on where you read because uh, Christianity <laughs> no, I- Today- uh, headlines can Abraham the Abraham Accord bring peace to the Middle East? It's uh, you know the the consistent yeah. conversation here, and uh, you know I'm not going to read about the the actual deal because I think there are people that understand this a lot better than than me or you that yeah, have talked about it. There's not much it. we could add to it, right. really. Uh, but but the part that I do want to mention is that a lot of people are associating this to the Daniel nine twenty seven. Uh, prophecy that you know the antichrist is going to create peace you know, peace deal and all this kind of stuff and my point was that the daniel 927 prophecy doesn't really relate to a peace deal it's more of a uh confirming the covenant confirming the mm-hmm. mosaic covenant that starts that restarts uh, animal sacrifices and stuff like that and others have su- suggested that um they've interpreted it as jesus himself uh, coming to end sacrifices and things like that. So there, there's different interpretations of that. And I just, I know that the, there's a particular eschatological uh, crowd within, you know, Christian circles, uh, largely pre-trib dispensational. They are very much part of uh, looking for a peace deal type of situation with Israel. And so, you know, it's going to be brought up, but, you know, I always try to make it uh, be careful about be just saying realistic. this. Yeah, just yes. just not Don't saying. Need to be oh, there it is. Sensational about it, right? And and I've been guilty um, of that before, but just in this particular case, I don't think it's necessarily yeah. related to those and prophecies. It's all right, guns. We're all growing. Well, and one <laughs> interesting thing about the Abraham Abraham Accords, the Trump negotiated uh, deal in the Middle East, there was when you look at the the better reporting and the more official reporting and indeed the the actual language that was put out, it doesn't necessarily 
I mean, it, it says peace a couple times and some people are claiming it as peace, but the more specific term that they're using is normalized relations, right. a normalized relationship. And I thought it was interesting. Uh, you know, when you think of peace, let's equate that to shalom, you know, the biblical concept, the Jewish concept of shalom, mm. which is, you know, wholeness and uh, you know, it's it's much more than what we think of peace as just like not fighting. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So this is normalization, which, yes, is uh, will hopefully cease the the combat. And uh, I think in, in that Israel agreed to uh, give up the West Bank or at least cease the, the, the settling of the West Bank. Um, but it's all under the actual vocabulary of normalization. Uh, so I don't think you could really even call this peace, maybe peace in a political sense of not fighting, right. but as far as peace in the bigger sense of shalom and wholeness and prosperity and that kind of stuff, uh, no, it is not shalom. It, it is sort <laughs> of a, it's the more, uh, surface level political term of peace that's being, uh, talked about with the Abraham Accords there. So, right. Uh, so yeah, very interesting though. Yep. Yep. Something to keep an eye on. And definitely, uh, you know, when you look at, when you study eschatology and Bible prophecy, it's, it's always tempting to simply connect one-to-one things going on, uh, over there to, you know, things that are written, uh, eschatologically. And certainly there are, I think, uh, I don't know, not temperaments, but more so just like a, an atmosphere that seems to be moving in that direction. But it's hard to say that it's for sure this or for sure that I think that's when you get into trouble yeah. uh, and you'd kind of discredit yourself if you set dates or, you know, start doing that kind of thing with it. But of course, just something to keep in mind, keep your tabs on. And, Jesus came uh, back in 1988, Gons. Don't you know that? Oh, he's hiding in the, in the mountains. <laughs> he's just chilling. He's waiting. Um, okay. okay. I want to open up with our first full story here and I like to, well, we, but I also like to make sure that we're keeping an eye, you know, it, just as important as keeping up to date uh, with with the the truth of what's going on, it's also good to really have a firm idea of just exactly how fringy type folks, conspiracy folks, truth seeking folks, whatever you want to call it, are being perceived by other people. I believe that helps us communicate the truth. I think it's uh, it's important to see ourselves through other people's eyes and that ultimately helps us uh you know communicate and love other people and hopefully spread more truth um and this includes q so gons you've got a gift for us today <laughs> yeah i was showing basil the 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 clips of q from star trek uh i think it's and which one was it i don't remember which one it was maybe uh i was gonna say starship or star trek enterprise but that's not it Whatever the one with Captain Picard, somebody in the chat will know. And uh, the character Q is in there, so of course we had to compile a short Q ISO jingle. Q the miserable, Q the desperate. What must I do to convince you people? You're right, Q. You're right, Q. (laughs) It's a Q jingle that makes everybody happy. (laughs) Um, So there you go. I'm going to read from... Oh, that was strange. Tried opening this link and it didn't do it there we go uh this was an interesting thing that came out from news.yahoo.com says exclusive 
FBI document warns conspiracy theories are a new domestic terrorism threat. Uh, so I yeah, I feel like people have been feeling this for a while, but it's finally official in FBI documents. Let's read this. The FBI, for the first time, has identified fringe conspiracy theories as a domestic terrorist threat, according to a previously unpublicized document obtained by Yahoo News. The FBI Intelligence Bulletin from the Bureau's Phoenix Field Office, dated May 30th, 2019, describes, quote, conspiracy theory-driven domestic extremists as a growing threat and notes that it is the first such report to do so. It lists a number of arrests, including some that haven't been publicized, related to violent incidences motivated by fringe beliefs. The document specifically mentions QAnon, a shadowy network network that believes in a deep state conspiracy against President Trump and Pizzagate, the theory that a pedophile ring, including Clinton Associates, was being run out of the basement of a Washington, D.C. pizza restaurant. I did appreciate that they mentioned uh, that Pizzagate is a theory that a pedophile ring, including Clinton Associates, instead of how it's usually straw manned in the news as Hillary Clinton running a pedophile ring out of a pizza restaurant, which was never the actual uh, research or ideas amongst those who actually looked into it. Well, this is um, your favorite outlet, Yahoo News. I know. I love Yahoo, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm not even getting paid by them. I should, though. Um, but so it's been misrepresented as Hillary Clinton herself running on a pedophile ring out of Clint out of a pizza restaurant. I enjoy that. They say the theory that a pedophile ring, including including Clinton associates was being run out of the basement of Washington, D.C. pizza restaurant. Then they add the parenthetical, which didn't actually have a basement. Well, I'm not I don't know about that, but OK. The quote next goes, the FBI assesses these conspiracy theories very likely will emerge, spread and evolve in the modern information marketplace, occasionally driving both groups and individual oh, both groups and individual extremists to carry out criminal or violent acts. The document states, it also goes on to say the FBI believes conspiracy theory driven extremists are likely to increase during the 2020 presidential election cycle. The FBI said another factor driving the intensity of this threat is the quote, uncovering of real conspiracies or cover-ups involving illegal, harmful, or unconstitutional activities by government officials or leading political figures. The FBI does not specify which political leaders or which cover-ups it was referring to. And again, Yahoo smashing it with this because I read a couple other articles and nobody mentioned this but uh yahoo says you know uh, the fbi said another factor driving the intensity of this threat is the uncovering of real conspiracies or cover-ups involving illegal harmful or unconstitutional activities by government government officials or leading political uh, uh, figures so admitting right in the document that you know some of this violence or extremism that they're expecting isn't because of crazy conspiracy theories. It's because of real conspiracies going on. Right. So that was a nice little bump there. 
President Trump is mentioned by name briefly in the latest FBI document, which notes that the origins of QAnon is the conspiratorial belief that Q, allegedly a government official, posts classified information online to reveal a covert effort led by President Trump to dismantle a conspiracy involving deep state actors and global elites allegedly engaged in an international child sex trafficking ring. This recent intelligence bulletin comes as the FBI is facing pressure to explain who it considers an extremist and how the government prosecutes domestic terrorists. In recent weeks, the FBI director has addressed domestic terrorism multiple times, but did not publicly mention this new conspiracy theorist threat. The FBI is already under fire for its approach to domestic extremism. In a contentious hearing last week before the Senate Judiciary Committee, FBI Director Christopher Wray faced criticism from Democrats who said the Bureau was not focusing enough on white supremacist violence. Quote, the term white supremacist, white nationalist is not included in your statement to the committee when you talk about threats to America, Senator Richard Durbin, a Democrat from Illinois, said. Quote, there is a reference to racism, which I think probably was meant to include that, but nothing more specific. Ray told lawmakers the FBI had done away with separate categories for black identity extremists and white supremacists and said the Bureau was instead now focusing on racially motivated violence. But he added, quote, I will say that a majority of the domestic terrorism cases we've investigated are motivated by some version of what you might call white supremacist violence. The FBI had faced uh, mounting criticism for the term black identity extremists after its use was revealed by Foreign Policy magazine in 2017. Critics pointed out that the term was an FBI invention based solely on race, since no group or even any specific individuals actually identifies black identity extremists. Well, nobody... (laughs) <laughs> I know it's does crazy. anybody does any does anybody who's white are they like I'm a white extremist uh you know it's white supremacists I've seen a couple of times people trying to own that term and identify as that term but they always try to uh you know couch it and explain it it's not really a good look in general but <laughs> Uh, they certainly try. I don't think it's a common thing in general, but okay. but you know it it shows the spirit of the times where yeah you can say white people, uh, you know some white supremacists or some white people are white supremacists and will commit violence. But the you know when you start identifying black identity extremists, then that's a bad thing. I think those groups would be like um, the Black Israelite movement. I think yeah. that is because they're all they're also mentioned in other FBI. Um, I was going to say documents. I was going to I pulled it up because I wanted to kind of double check it. But uh, yeah, before you go on here, the beginning of the document was saying like, oh, it's the first time the FBI has said that there's, uh, you know, conspiracy theories as a threat to uh, mm-hmm. to America. Well, no, because this I have the document here. And we've talked about this document before. I've brought it up several times now. And this is the uh, uh, Project Megiddo that was published in 1999 in anticipation of uh, uh, Y2K, interestingly enough. And yeah, the whole thing is like American domestic terrorists and all of them having conspiracy theories as their, their, you know, part of their narrative 
of why they need to rise in violence and the new world order taking over. And so I don't know the, I don't know. Come on, come on, Yahoo, do a little more research. eh? <laughs> like l- okay. look at this. The Moving significance. On. Don't is talk pr- about my best friend Yahoo that All way. Right, okay. Okay. <laughs> but, but you get my point that the whole idea of conspiracy theories, theories being a domestic violence threat, you know, mentioned by the well, FBI. It's not the first time. Well, it's the, f- that's a, that's okay. All right. Uh, yeah. All I right. don't know. All right. I'm that, I don't know. Maybe, ahead. maybe they're based specifically on, you know, terms, actual terms uh, sure. being used in documents. I don't know. There's some subtlety in the way you could explain that, but let's continue. In May, Michael C. McGarity, the FBI's assistant director of the counterterrorism division told Congress, the Bureau now classifies domestic terrorism threats into four main categories, racially motivated violence violent extremism, anti-government, anti-authority extremism, animal rights and environmental extremism, and abortion extremism, a term the Bureau uses to classify both pro-choice and anti-abortion extremists. So that's an interesting set of terms as well. You know, when you're talking about uh, domestic terrorism, racially motivated, which makes sense. We're all familiar with that. Anti-government, anti-authority. Yeah, that makes sense. Animal rights and environmental being, you know, the classic like PETA setting all the animals free in the zoo or something. (laughs) And then abortion extremism which was very interesting that it's that big of a an issue that it's actually a category for the fbi which includes pro-choice and anti-abortion extremists i thought that was fascinating piece of information to have the new focus on conspiracy theorists appears to fall under the broader category of anti-government extremism this is the first fbi product examining the threat from conspiracy theory driven domestic extremism and provides a baseline for future intelligence products, the document states. So, yeah, right. I'll give Yahoo a break. It's not them saying this. It's the document that's that's actually saying All right. this. So FBI is lying. Yes, yes. Oh, which, no. What a, what a, rev, what a yeah. revelation that is. <laughs> Big surprise. (laughs) Yeah. The new category is different in that it focuses not on racial motivations, but on violence based specifically on beliefs that, in the words of the FBI document, Gons, quote, attempt to explain events or circumstances as the result of a group of actors working in secret to benefit themselves at the expense of others. That's a pretty benign (laughs) uh, statement and are usually at odds with official or prevailing explanation of events. Now, this is interesting because that's such a simple, you know, description, Um, uh, you know, it's very it's it's weird that that is considered uh, a terrorism threat. You know, if they're usually at odds with official or prevailing explanation of events. So if they disagree with the official story, they are in this category of potential terrorist, which is you know, there's a lot of talk about fascism, and I don't want to throw that word around willy nilly. But when you consider somebody who doesn't agree with the official story a terrorist, that's pretty much the definition of fascism. Uh, the FBI acknowledges conspiracy theory driven violence is not new, but says it's gotten worse with the advances in technology combined with an increasingly partisan political landscape. In the lead up to the 2020 presidential election, quote, the advent of the internet and the social media 
has enabled promoters of conspiracy theories to produce and share greater volumes of material via online platforms that larger audiences of consumers can quickly and easily access. The document says the bulletin says it is intended to provide guidance and inform discussions with law enforcement as they relate to potentially harmful conspiracy theories and domestic extremism. The FBI Phoenix field office referred Yahoo News to the Bureau's National Press Office, which provided a written statement, uh, which reads, while our standard practice is to not comment on Specific intelligence products, the FBI routinely shares information with our law enforcement partners in order to assist in protecting the communities they serve, the FBI said. In its statement, the FBI also said it can never initiate an investigation based solely on First Amendment protected activity. Well, that's a relief. As with all of our investigations, the FBI can never monitor a website or social media platform without probable cause. The Department of Homeland Security, which has also been involved in monitoring domestic extremism, did not return or acknowledge emails to, uh, and phone requests for comment. While not all conspiracy theories are deadly, those identified in the FBI's 15-page report led to either attempted or successfully carried out violent attacks. For example, the Pizzagate conspiracy Conspiracy led a 28-year-old man to invade a Washington, D.C. restaurant to rescue the children he believed were being kept there and fire an assault-style weapon inside. He fired one bullet and it hit a hard drive. Interesting. Um, that's the, sub, the subtext of that paragraph. The FBI document also cites an unnamed California man who was arrested on December 19, 2018, after being found with what appeared to be bomb-making materials in his car. The man allegedly was planning to blow up a satanic temple monument in the capital rotunda in springfield uh, illinois to make americans aware of pizzagate and the new world order who are dismantling society the document says historian da ga uh, that historian david garrow the author of a pulitzer prize winning biography of martin luther king jr who has also who has worked extensively with fbi archives raised doubts to yahoo news about the memo he says the fbi's default assumption is that violence is motivated by ideological beliefs rather than mental illness quote the guy who shot up the pizza place in dc do we think of him as a right-wing activist or insane garrow asked garrow was similarly critical of the fbi's use of the term black identity extremists and related attempts to ascribe incidences like the 2016 shooting of six police officers in baton rouge louisiana to black radicalism he said the shooter gavin long had a history of mental health problems quote the bureau's presumption uh, the mindset is to see ideological motives where most of the rest of us see individual nuttiness he said identifying conspiracy theories as a threat could be a political lightning rod since president trump has been accused of promulgating some of them with the frequent references to a deep state and his praise in 2015 for alex jones who runs the conspiracy site Infowars. while the fbi intelligence bulletin does not mention jones or Infowars by name it does mention some of the conspiracy theories frequently associated with the far-right radio host, in particular the concept of the New World Order. 
Jones claimed the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting in which 26 children were killed was a hoax, a false flag operation intended as a pretext for the government to seize or outlaw firearms. The families of a number of victims have sued Jones for defamation, saying his conspiracy mongering contributed to death threats and online abuse they have received. While Trump has never endorsed Sandy Hook denialism, he has almost up he is almost up until the 2016 election, the most high profile promoter of the birther conspiracy created by Hillary Clinton that claimed former president Barack Obama was not born in the United States. He later dropped his claim and deflected criticism by pointing the finger at Hillary Clinton. Uh Oh, he said her campaign had given birth to the conspiracy and Trump finished it. There is no evidence that Clinton started the birther conspiracy. Well, I got a couple of video links that they could check out. <laughs> of her um, saying it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the uh, the article goes on and talks about Harp, uh, mentions uh, some JFK. ISIS and Al- yeah JFK, ISIS, Al Qaeda. They kind of run through a number of uh, conspiracy theories, which you know this is again. I'm kind of stoked Yahoo's doing this because if nothing else, you know people click on it thinking, oh yeah, let's hate on conspiracy theorists for a second, and then they learn about a whole bunch of conspiracy theories. Yeah, uh, that of course they will go down the rabbit hole later uh, if they've got a thinking cell in their brain. Um, and so I'll jump to the end here. While Trump may not be supported of labeling a group like QAnon, which sees him as a hero, as extremist, he's in favor of broadening the number of organizations that are labeled as violent extremists, at least on the far, on the left. On Saturday, President Trump tweeted that Antifa, a far left movement opposed to what considers it considers fascism should be labeled a terrorist organization. Schneider, the former Homeland Security official, agrees that conspiracy theories may in fact inspire violence and be a threat, but questions what the government is going to do about it. He notes that the Department of Homeland Security, quote, nearly all, if not all, the intelligence analysts focusing on domestic extremist groups were eliminated under the Trump administration. There is no, there is no one there doing this, he said. And that is the end. Uh, so there you go, Gons. It's it's official. Conspiracy theorists are dangerous. And uh, I think this is a great time to mention to our listeners, as well as all the FBI agents listening, uh, we do not condone violence or <laughs> anything like that. <laughs> or melting babies. Or anything. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fascinating to see how uh, some of the criticisms here, uh, the one criticism from that, that author that pointed out the, the hastiness of a group like the FBI to label uh, a lot of these things as motivated ideologically instead of some kind of mental, um, yeah, mental health issue. Yeah, I think that was a great thing to put in there. That's, that's very accurate. You know, every time you see these, these types of individual actors and stuff like that, a lot of times they do have a history of mental illness. And um, in that regard, I usually they're on lithium or something like that. Yeah. Or yeah. Or they just have problems and or schizophrenia even. So uh, in that regard, it's almost like abuse, you know, that the FBI would go after these guys. And a lot of times they, they do a kind of bait uh, entrapment type of situation where they bring in undercover guys to sort of stoke the flame of whatever ideology and get them to try to do something. Uh, for example, the 
the the kid who tried to blow up the uh, Oklahoma City bridge or or bank. I can't remember exactly what it was. I've talked about it on the channel. Yeah, before. he wouldn't he wouldn't even have gotten the idea if it wasn't he, for the FBI he, agents <laughs> suggesting it. Yeah. And and they have him on tape saying things like, "Oh yeah, I totally blow up the the building or whatever. The banks need to go down." Da da da. But they were it was you know instigated by the this infiltrator, and he you know the mom came out saying, he, "There's no way he would be able to build a bomb if, right. if it wasn't for these people." And they equipped him. They gave him. They gave him the car. The, mm-hmm. And just be, just before you know he was about to do it or whatever, he pressed the button. Uh, they went in there and arrested him. And and look, you know, the FBI has taken down domestic terrorism, uh, tax your your tax money at work, you know. So it, it's it's really troubling when you look at it that way, and and you start realizing that, you know, even with this document here, the whole Y two K, you know, prior to Y two K, why these groups, these particular groups mentioned by the FBI, you know, the Christian identity, white supremacy, militias, Black Hebrew Israelites apocalyptic cults uh why they're all in tune with this this threat of the new world order rising and how they're going to violently uh disrupt this plan right and it's kind of like i i don't know that many people are uh, even like the alex joneses he was never i mean you know i'm not trying to defend him but I, i don't think he was ever like hey rise up and take over the government before the new world order takes over you know, you know was, I will, I will push back. He did literally explicitly say that once. Well, you know, <laughs> he I know said, he's go get your guns. Well, well, go get your guns. I know, I know he's, you know, second amendment guy and, and guns and all this, but it, most of the time, I'm not going to, I'm not going to defend a, he's him. He's a special case. <laughs> he's, Alex Jones he, is a special case. He, he will did, go on rants and I get he, it. He'll say he some things that are pretty provocative. Rant, yeah. yeah. I get that. I get that. But for the most part, he's not trying to actually, you know, deliberately take over with some kind of militia or anything like that. Although that's what, you know, the, the other side of the aisle will say it was inspired by characters like Alex Jones. And I say characters pretty explicitly there. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, this, this is, uh, all of it is to create a type of identity, uh, threat that, you know, everybody that, that has the same ideologies can be, you know, sort of grouped together as, so if you're, a if you believe in Pizzagate, the, the facts or not, you're part of this one giant group of people who believe in, con- you know, crazy conspiracy theory pizza gate and that's kind of what we've seen and and thought ever since all this stuff came out oh yeah no it's a dangerous thing to question official stories of things but it's it's interesting too and this guy uh talking about the mental illness makes a great point being you know you know we're quickly we're the well some including perhaps the fbi and other organizations are quick uh, to point out that, you know, people who carry out acts of violence are conspiracy theorists and, you know, put this the fact that they had some sort of mental illness off to the side. But that's its own type of conspiracy thinking like, oh, right. no, it couldn't have just been a crazy guy. There has to be, you know, a <laughs> yeah. group of disinformation online. That's that what's are, funny. Yeah. That are equipping and uh, radicalizing white people to carry out violence. That's its own conspiracy theory. When in reality, the truth might just be that the guy's a little nutso. Yeah. Um, so there you go. I mean, it's it's a the pot calling the kettle black type of situation. It really is just misinformation, disinformation. And and creating 
uh, trying to create order out of chaos for sure. You know, I know yeah. the order coming from on high. And you can't question the FBI or you're a terrorist, you know. Now, just to keep things moving, uh, I think we we understand that. Uh, you know, we had a, a big <laughs> Q Anon conversation last episode. And uh, <laughs> it was fun watching the, the chat go nuts on both sides <laughs> of that conversation. And one of the big things that uh, people were mentioning was, you know, Q also, you know, there's a Christian side of Q. This new agey Q is not the real Q or whatever. And, you know, I did some looking around and there certainly are, you know, there certainly is a more Christian take on Q and group of Christian Q followers and, you know, Christian based Q material uh, and not just the new age thing. And, you know, after doing some looking I got to say, you know, if you were going to create a character and you wanted to get the information out from this character to as many people as possible, uh, you know, to have the broadest uh, effect, what would you do? You would make the Christian cue. You would make the New Ager cue. You would have the, you know, you would give much like anything online. Uh, you know, you make different versions of the same uh, product. We'll call Q a product for the sake of this conversation. And, uh, you know, that's how you get more people to buy or to buy in, as it were, with this case. So, you know, I'm not ready to say that the New Age Q is fake or Christian Q is fake. Uh, from my uh, view, which I'm trying to look at it from an outsider looking at Q itself, not trying to, uh, you know, dissect the information. Like I said, I think Q is getting, you know, I think it's a mixed bag, but I think that uh, it's definitely brought a lot of people into awareness uh, of a lot of important topics. And for that, I'm grateful. But, you know, it's very simple. Whoever Q is or whoever's behind Q, whether it's an individual or a group, they it's obvious they purposefully have different versions of Q in order to get the message out to a broader, well, uh, yeah. a broader set of people. So, I, you know, I, you can't, I don't think you can say new age Q is not really Q or Christian Q is the real yeah. Q or not really Q. It's all Q, whatever it is, uh, you know, just being repackaged for different types of people. Well, it's not even, uh, it's not even repackaged. It's, it's just interpreted differently depending on your worldview because what Q, if you just read the, a lot of the Q posts, it's very, um, uh, it's mostly in the political lane. It's mm -hmm. mostly, you know, about the United States and America and our freedoms and, and, but then they'll use phrases that will appeal to a Christian like, oh, you know, Godspeed or, you know, yeah. and God and we trust, a, things like that. Even and, a lot of the Christian Q posts have like hints of new age. And that's stuff the thing. Yeah. Yeah. The new yeah. ager will look at it and say, oh, you know, this is the ascension narrative of, you know, Christ consciousness or, or whatever, whatever it is. So yeah. it's really, it's, it's quite a clever psyop in that regard mm -hmm. because it, it really appeals to uh, either side of that of that, you know, the difference between it's, a new age and a Christian. Yeah. The genius part of it is it's open to interpretation. It is. So the whole thing your, is, 
can bring your own lens to it. Like right. even even the posts, how they're all cryptic and, you know, not explicit in most cases. It's like, yeah, of course, when you're cryptic and vague, uh, you know, people fill in the gaps with their own belief systems and their own lenses. Right. And that's why I think this big thing uh, regarding specifically our conversation about uh, the new AGQ last episode was so triggering for people is because they, you know, they've spent months or years reading Q with their Christian lens. Therefore, yeah. Q is Christian. You know, and the other thing too, a lot of the realities, the truth about uh, a child trafficking ring and all this kind of stuff, the information was out there before. It just wasn't right. being, you know, it wasn't really just, it wasn't known. It wasn't really, if you, if, you know, like the Russ Dizdar is out there saying that there's a, uh, there's these Satanists people out there that are kidnapping children and they're, they're, you know, creating split personalities and, and all kinds of stuff. Right. And mm -hmm. everyone just thinks yeah, you're nuts. Russ Dizdar, what are you talking about? You know? Um, so there were there, a lot of the information was there before and it did start to pick up steam you know, in the last decade, you know, more and more people learned about it, more and more people were becoming aware of it. So before it becomes like a genuine, true type of movement uh, of people being very angry at this situation, what, what would you do if you're kind of an elite type of, if you're in the elite board, right? If you're at Bilderberg or whatever, you're probably higher up than that. And mm -hmm. you knew the people were sort of starting to figure th some things out. You would create your own type of, savior figure to step in especially politically yeah. to to be that kind of conduit of like ah yes we're we're in the movement now we're in the process of the great awakening we're we're entering a new age you know the whole deal so uh it, it just seems like a very clever way to uh get galvanize people in an appeal to them especially because the conspiratorial topic has become so widespread and, and cause it's really interesting. You know, I, I think back to 2011 and when I, you know, when I released age of deceit, fallen angels in the new world order, I think the reason why so many people were like, Oh my gosh, you know, so awesome, whatever wasn't because anything I did, you know, all I did was sort of compile information that's, that was out there into a concise two and a half hour documentary. The info was out there, uh, but just putting it in a certain context. And I think, I think when people, it was like the beginning of people realizing like, oh, okay, something's, something's going on. Something's not right. You know, the, 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 there's too much information regarding all this Satanism and all this kind of stuff going on. So, you know, there must be some truth to it. And then it got really political, you know, in the middle of the, the decade, it got political and then Trump rode that to a presidency, you know? So it's, it's kind of crazy to watch how quickly it went from, oh, just these fringe, crazy people talking about nonsense to an election taking place on top of it, you know, right. uh, based on the knowledge of this type of stuff becoming readily available. And mm -hmm. that's part and part for sure. As, as the article stated, it's because of the internet, the internet really delivered that information uh, quicker and allowed people to redistribute that information. Like I did with the film it was basically repackaging a lot of information that I had put together and that I'd researched. And so when that starts to take place, I think, uh, it, it, you have to co-opt it somehow. And that, yeah. that's what I think is really the, the culmination of what we see with the QAnon movement. And again, so it doesn't mean that all the information is bad or wrong. And maybe it is white hats in government trying to do what's right. But even then it's kind of like, okay, why are you, why not appeal and create a, a cult of 
uh, not just a personality, a cult of uh, just a cultic movement um, out of it. And I think they've done a pretty good job. I see a lot of people with Q shirts and banners and, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a whole thing. So it's, it's, yeah. it worked. Yep. It certainly did. All right. Um, anything else to add to that, Gons? I think we did a good job covering what we, we wanted uh, to cover there. I think so. Uh, looking at the time here, I think we should do a quick break and then yes. go into some Shadowgate stuff. Let's, let's do it. Okay, here we go. Break time. It's break time. <laughs> Okie dokie, peeps. We're just going to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere, though, because uh, after this very quick break, we've got, oh, man, a big uh, conversation about the Shadowgate uh, thing going on. Um, more more trigger before warnings. before that, what's that? I said more trigger warnings for everybody. More trigger warnings. There you go. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to thank a couple of people, including uh, some of our new Twitch followers and producers and, 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 and. So first, let's start out with the Twitch followers. Gons, you're going to love it. We got a good group today. You got your dinger ready? I'm ready. Okay. Start out with Corey James, 77. Thank you very much. Wendy, whoa. Whoa. Sibelina. Tiny Charlie 93. Charlie's so tiny. We got <laughs> Spicy CC 10. All right, spicy. Death of Flippy. <laughs> <laughs> Mulder 1968. Oh, hey, Mulder. Thank yeah. you. We got Ash A. Ash A. Sweet. And we got Big Mama number one. All right. That's right. This one's great. We got uh, Basil's Lucha Libre mask. <laughs> got an old school listener here. Great. Thank you, Basil's Lucha Libre mask. My sentient Lucha Libre mask. I was going to say, out us of, on Twitch. Climb yeah. out of your closet and, and log into that. the internet. I haven't seen that thing uh, for a while. I, I think it crawled off and started its own life and is checking <laughs> up on me now. So thank you. Uh, we got Bluebell7. Unscripted 55. <laughs> Gosh. All right. Little trigger, trigger warning here. Somebody likes making me say things on air. Uh, tickle nipple 21. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, B big boy 40. Uh-oh. More, more trouble in paradise here. <laughs> Basil's wedding planner. Oh, no. <laughs> this is getting out of hand. It's and then out of hand. Hero. Spelt all funny. H-E-E-R-O-U-E. Okie dokie. Thank you very much to our new uh, Twitch followers. We appreciate that very much. Helps us out. And uh, the numbers over on Twitch have gone up throughout the show here. So thank you very much for that. And we are currently... Oh, man, my virtual reality hand, it floats once in a while where I can't control it. We are sitting at number 12 right now on the Twitch category list of talk shows and podcasts. So, okay, we could do a little better. But uh, if you want to help us out with that, head to t uh, can uh, where twitch.tv slash canarycryradiogons. If you want to pop that link in the chat, let's uh, try to get a few more people to hop over to the Twitch, join the crowd. Now, also, we want to thank some producers, because here's the thing, folks. We work on the value-for-value value model, which means we do not uh, fund the podcast with advertising. A lot of people do that. You know what? You got you to pay the bills somehow. But we came to the conclusion long ago that advertising was one of the biggest problems 
with the internet in a lot of ways uh, for a few reasons. A, advertising is the whole reason uh, for tracking on the internet and data collection and uh, the the uh, the crimes against our privacy. It is all motivated by advertising. Um, and also, you know, uh, when a creator, a, a content creator as the technical internet term, um, you know, uh, when you rely on advertising, a few things happen. First of all, you start to consider your audience as a commodity to be collected and grown, and then you turn around and sell it to an advertising company for your own personal gain. And that just doesn't seem right to us to consider you listeners as a commodity for us to, uh, you know, grow like a like some crop or something so we can turn around and sell it. It just didn't, didn't seem right, didn't sit well with our souls. Um, but also, you know, it's when you rely on advertising dollars, you're you're worried about bringing brand safe. You don't say things. You don't talk about things. You talk about other things that don't really matter. It's a whole mess. It starts messing with your content. And we just didn't want that either. So instead of relying on this corrupt advertising system, we go by the value for value model, which means we create the show. We do it uh, pretty consistently. And I think we do a pretty good job and then it's your opportunity as a uh, as someone who pays us attention pays attention to what we say it's your opportunity to uh, put some value back into the show uh, to keep it going and you know I consider it sort of a rebellious act in today's weird advertising world it's like a rebellion against the global theology of advertising uh, to not consider you yourself a commodity or a crop to be sold, um, you know, on these advertising marketplaces. And so and there you go. I think of it as a very cool rebellion against this corrupt system of the world. And if you want to participate in that, you can become a producer because this is the real world, baby. You're not just a donator. You are uh, when you help pay for media to be created, you are a producer of that media. And you can do that at patreon.com slash CCNT. And uh, I'd like to thank a couple people who did that. Are you ready, Gons? Ready. First of all, coming back in hot is Jan, who upped her support again. Jan, coming in hot. Thank you very much, Jan. Thank you, Jan. And uh, we also got Deb, who increased their monthly support as well. And uh, that's very good. Thank you very much. You know, it's been almost a week since our last show. So, um, you know, it's hard enough to get new people to join and support. It's even harder to get people to increase their support. Um, so Jan and Deb, round of applause for you. Thank you very much uh, for, for well, increasing your support. Very important. Now, uh, you can become a supporter like Jan and Deb at patreon.com slash ccnt uh, for Canary Cry News Talk. We'll pop that link into the chat for anybody who wants to pop over there. But we also have patreon.com slash canarycryradio. <clears throat> And we got another increased support from Player001. Player1 increased their support as well. So thank you very much, Player001. 
So there you go. If you guys want to join up uh, and help produce the show, head to patreon.com slash CCNT. Now, here's the thing. If you don't like Patreon, that's okay. A lot of people don't. We understand. You can uh, also support us over at canarycryradio.com slash support. Canarycryradio.com slash support. That's right. Now, uh, I want to mention Isaiah 4214 in the chat says podcast producer for Canary Cry Radio is going on my resume now. Uh, yes. Fantastic idea. You can do that. If yep, you do you that, can. you can do that. And, uh, you know, if if anybody wants to ask, give them our email address at canarycryradio at gmail.com and uh, we'll vouch for you. If somebody sends us an email asking uh, if you really are a producer, of course, we'll vouch for you because you are a producer. You can put that on your resume. Um, all right, Gons, uh, uh, PayPal. We've yes. got PayPal options over there at canarycryradio.com slash support. You can do monthly donations or one-time donations if you're, uh, if commitment's not your thing, as well as cryptocurrency. Gons, who's coming on the PayPal? Uh, before we do, we got Dirty Miner coming from DLive asking when Canary Cry Radio Coin, you know, cryptocurrency. <laughs> we have talked about it. We have talked about it for sure. Uh, we'll maybe get to it later. But um, one of the things that happened, a phenomenon that took place over the weekend, uh, based on what you had mentioned on the last episode we aired, which was last Wednesday, the 12th of August, episode Two, three, one. I think. Yeah, you're talking about the spontaneous movement yes. of people in the chat to make a $33 donation. Yes, and uh, just to mention, Deb on Patreon.com/slash/CCNT, she upped her support to $33 a month, Ooh, and using uh, <laughs> the secret number against against the elites. Yes, and and so we had a handful of $33 support producers come in on PayPal, which is just so fun to watch come in. I couldn't believe the number of people that stepped up and did that. So we wanted to thank some producers. Tracy coming in with Tracy. $33 to trigger thank us. Thank you, Tracy. Charlene, also another producer. Charlene. $33. Brianna, $33. <laughs> wow, Brianna, it's thank amazing. you very much. And also Scott coming in. Scott. $33. My gosh. Very good. We're, we're so Freemasonry. <laughs> I know. It's, and, I thought it was so funny. Of course, people are going to call us Freemason I shills know. because of the I know, 33. I but I think it's so funny using that number uh, against <laughs> against the elites. I yeah, love it. We're triggering so, them. That's we how it usually works. don't um, mention the number uh, of the donation that people send in. Um, for a lot of reasons, but I think when when you do make a thirty three donation, we will mention that we'll you just are thirty three. Yeah, because yeah. well, you're um, you're a shill. We also have uh, Arnold. Because you're a shill, and we want everybody <laughs> to know it. <laughs> Arnold also coming in, uh, producer oh, thirty three dollars. Wow, and, thank uh, you, Arnold. And we had a a, a new recurring producer, Stephen. Oh, Steven. I always, thank you, Steven. I, I love busting that ISO out. So, Steven, <laughs> thank you for becoming a new recurring supporter yeah. over at uh, pay, paypal.com. Actually, I don't know what it is. It's, it's uh, Oh, it's this. CanaryCryRadio.com slash support. Woo! 
And we got breaking news, Gons. Breaking Uh-oh. in here for some breaking news. Cody's Twitch account uh, mentioned in the chat. Check it again. And I did. Ooh. I checked the Patreon and uh, Patreon account of the year upped their donation as well. Last minute upgrade. So thank you very much. Uh, Patreon account of the year, uh, also known as Cody's Twitch account on Twitch. All right. Um, so there you go. Last minute. Though. We'll have to remember not to read that one next week. But if we do, that's okay. You get a double shout out. Double shout out. Okay. All right. Uh, So what do we do? We did the producers. Very good. Now there's other ways to help produce the show. You can make art. You can make jingles. uh, You can do all sorts of stuff. Gons, did we have any new art or jingles come in? (laughs) Sorry. Basil's Lucha Libre mask uh, in the chat asks, so no Canary Cry male enhancement. (laughs) Well, you never know. We, you know, if the donation, if the producership thing doesn't work out, we might need to <laughs> go into some merchandise. Uh, we didn't have anybody come in with crypto. Uh, we're still on standby with one of our potential nights. And uh, we did have a jingle come in. And, and one of the ways you can support the show is, again, produce the show uh, by sending us jingles or art. And in this case, a jingle, uh, we had some, um, some people mentioning how they want their birthday to be celebrated and mentioned on the show. So we're going to do that today. Uh, but for the occasion, we had, of course, Mr. Magoo send us, uh, another, uh, work, <laughs> I guess, yeah. of, uh, a, a, a jingle for the birthday thing. I spiced it up with a little crowd noise and some, um, some instruments. Uh, but here we go. This is the birthday jingle. Madness, complete madness, Mr. Magoo. (laughs) So thank you for that, Mr. Magoo. And um, I don't think we had any new art. I I don't think I should have checked again, but... One art, please. (laughs) You can always use more art on the show. There we go. Yes, that's a request now, not yeah. a statement. Um, and uh, we mentioned, I, I sort of off the cuff mentioned uh, last episode that, you know, if you're a producer and it's your birthday, let us know and we'll give you a shout out. And it was kind of, you know, I meant it specifically for producers. And I'm not sure if this person is a producer or not. We'd have to check. And I was a little worried right after I said it that, uh-oh, we're going to be taking up too much time on the show if uh, this birthday thing gets out of hand. Um, but it's not getting out of hand yet. And it is a very special person's birthday, uh, Gons. And it was actually on Friday, the show we missed. I know. Uh, so we could have bad. actually done it on the actual show, uh, on the day, uh, rather. But we didn't. So we'll do it here. And we want to give a big old birthday thank you to Stephanie. Hey, happy birthday, Stephanie. Happy birthday, Stephanie, from yours truly. Happy birthday to Stephanie. And <laughs> Stephanie. Okay. Jeez. <laughs> it's aggressive. Um, oh, you know what? We had some art just come in on the, the email account. We'll do that um, next week. Yeah, we'll so thank to you Wednesday. to that artist. Okay. Uh, what else we got? We want to get back into the show here? We, have we should get else? back to the show. To Let's be get done. back to the show. Get done at a reasonable time. Okay, back to the show, which means we need to wake up. Wake 
wake up. Yes, it's wake up time. Hey, yo, wake up. Yeah. Wake up. up. Wake up, sleepyhead. I'm trying to uh, do something here. There we go. Okay. What are we talking about? We are talking about the... Well, I do have this here. Illuminatus! Illuminatus. And of course... uh, a little bit of this as well. Well, well, okay, I'll just hold off on that. All right, so the big story over the weekend, we, we got several emails with the link posted to the documentary Shadow Gate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the big thing was that Millie Weaver, who's a reporter for InfoWars, was arrested. She live streamed some of the encounter with uh, the officers that came to pick her up. And um, to kind of get an overview, this is the AmericanThinker.com. And uh, I'll just read this article for anyone who's not aware of what happened. It is kind of, um, uh, it, it, it leans right, I think, in this article, but it's okay. I think uh, it'll just do a good job of at least summarizing the situation here. Okay. Millie Weaver faces her first court hearing this morning, which is this morning, today, as we record this, after being arrested and jailed last Friday. New media reporter Millie Weaver is scheduled to have her first court hearing this Monday or this morning after a weekend in jail following her arrest last Friday. Weaver's arrest came on the eve of the release of her 82-minute documentary, Shadowgate. That is an expose of the deep state with the assistance of two individuals identified as whistleblowers. Her arrest and incarceration in the Portage County Jail in Ravenna, Ohio, immediately raised suspicions that she was being subjected to a scary new level of intimidation and censorship. Millennial Millie, as Weaver is known, is a conservative rising star on the new and alternative media landscape, having worked as a reporter and contributor for InfoWars since 2012 and lately on her own as well. She has developed a loyal following and there is widespread interest in the outcome of the legal case against her. Uh, Heavy.com succinctly summarized the case. Maylee Weaver is a conservative filmmaker who was arrested at her home in northeastern Ohio before she was scheduled to debut her new documentary called Shadowgate on YouTube. Weaver claimed she had uncovered a plot orchestrated by both major political parties against President Donald Trump and that the documentary would explain how it all worked. The timing of her arrest flamed conspiracy theories online with critics wondering whether the arrest was related to the Shadowgate documentary. Uh, since, well, yeah, since my first article about this matter was published at American Thinker on Saturday, substantive new information about the case has emerged. It has now been reported that not only Weaver, but Gavin Wentz, 45, variously described as Weaver's husband, boyfriend, and significant other, was also taken into custody on a warrant charging both of them with robbery, tampering with evidence, obstructing justice, and domestic violence. The nature of the allegations, most or, or all of them serious felonies, will presumably, presumably be spelled out in an arrangement hearing this morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, which already took place as of this recording. I, ha- I haven't really looked at what came of it, but we'll just continue on here with this article. Quote, where a common pleas court judge will set bond. Weaver's two small children residing in the home with her and Wentz were reportedly turned over to Child Protective Services. A hearing on the children's fate is scheduled at 10 a.m. Millie Weaver's mother weighs in. Some light was shed on the matter in a comment posted on Friday to a YouTube video reported by licensed investigator and talk show host and uh, somebody that we're acquainted with, Doug Hagman of the Hagman Report, that was uploaded several hours after Weaver's arrest. The author of the comment identified herself as Felicia McCarran, 
Public databases identify Weaver's mother as Felicia McCarran, 51, who resides in California. The comment at YouTube links back to what appears to be the real Felicia McCarran's YouTube channel. In response to Hagman's video about her daughter's arrest, McCarran wrote, This is Millie's mother. It's my cell phone worth about $50 that she took during a family dispute that happened months ago when I was in Ohio visiting my family. She took it because I had my phone on record during an argument we were having. Uh, we resolved the issue immediately and I dropped all charges right after it happened before I left Ohio because it was a gross misunderstanding and no harm was done. All families have their disagreements, especially during a quarantine. I am shocked. My family was arrested after I told the police to drop all charges months ago. I had a general affidavit on, uh, of non-prosecution notarized today. And I spoke with the police chief who told me I could not do anything until Monday. That's today. And my daughter's son and her boyfriend have to stay in jail over the weekend. I'm extremely upset. This is not what I wanted to happen. I think they have a lot bigger fish to fry. Makes me think this might have been done to prevent her from coming out with some political information she is covering. There was no reason for this. Uh, a theory of the case by a licensed professional investigator in an email to me, Doug Hagman, proposed a hypothesis to explain Weaver's arrest, assuming for the moment that the post attributed to Felicia McCarran is real and accurate. Hagman stated, quote, I first want to stress that this is my investigative opinion only, and I have the highest regard for Millie and her family. If the author of the comment is legitimate and the scenario is correct, I suspect that the situation involving Miss Weaver originated from a personal event that was magnified by her high-profile status. Perhaps the police were called at the time of the event and a report was taken, hence the charge of domestic abuse. The police likely saw the video and or audio and secured it as evidence. As cooler heads prevailed, no charges were uh, pressed by any party and the incident should have been closed absent uh, of a, co a complainant. In some instances, however, the and with varying motives, I've personally seen some prosecutors advance a criminal prosecution without the consent or even knowledge of the involved parties. I've seen this happen in high-profile in, uh, individuals by agenda-driven prosecutors. Hagman further suggested the following possible scenario, stressing that it is only his professional opinion, quote, perhaps Millie with or uh, perhaps without Miss McCarran's permission, accessed the cell phone and or the data it contained, hence the burglary charge, and maybe erased the data, hence the evidence tampering charge. Again, I suspect the police already had, quote, the evidence. In my opinion, the experience, a typical non-agenda-driven district attorney would simply drop it. Alternatively, a DA may decide to put the evidence before a grand jury and let them make easy indictments uh, if he thought he could receive favor from someone for political or other purposes. Now toss in a very explosive documentary and knowing that the hammer can be dropped at an opportune time, uh, an indictment, the timing of effecting the high profile arrest coinciding with the release of the video might've been the direction of someone at a much higher pay grade is Millie Weaver's arrest related to the video. Most likely. Yes. But as I have described, not necessarily in the way or manner people might think. Plus, Exploiting a personal situation for political gain is simply not right and can be quite damaging. Miss Weaver's potential political enemies know this. I call this tactic lawfare and suspect that it was an attempt to marginalize the credibility of Miss Weaver and the video. That is what I think happened. I cannot prove it. It is my personal opinion based on open sources and other reports so far and on my more than three decades of professional experience. 
And then it goes back to the article here. One of the two whistleblowers who appears in the film who, who uses only her first name, Tori, was deeply involved in its post-production during an appearance on InfoWars yesterday. She told host Alex Jones that she was on the phone with Weaver last Friday, a Friday when the police showed up. Tori essentially confirmed the accuracy of the comments posted Friday on YouTube by McCarran, Weaver's mother, about the incident involving McCarran and her daughter that resulted in the 911 call. Tori said that the family squabble took place about three months ago. To the extent that the mainstream media has reported on Weaver's arrest, she and her documentary have predictably been described in less than flattering terms. The article Saturday at Cleveland.com, for example, said Weaver, quote, released a trailer last week of a new video that she claims, quote, may be the biggest whistleblowing event to date. The video appears to include interviews between Weaver and two people who claim to have first knowledge or firsthand knowledge of a clandestine, a clandestine attempt by government officials to use psychological warfare and mind control tactics to carry out a coup against President Donald Trump, an iteration of the often debunked conspiracy theories about so-called deep state. Uh, in fact, this back to the article. Uh, in fact, a number of conservative outlets, including citizen journalists, opining on websites and in video podcasts, has speculated that Weaver's arrest was a direct result of an effort to suppress her documentary on the part of the individuals and entities named in her film. That possibility cannot be ruled out, but what the arrest has achieved is to raise Weaver's public profile to new heights. The documentary itself, meanwhile, that was uploaded on, to YouTube on Friday by Tory, has become an instant hit. In addition to the 1.35 million views at the Tory Says YouTube channel, the documentary has been copied and posted at other online hosts, including ones that are not susceptible to YouTube's censorship whims. And I think the documentary is actually deleted now. I think YouTube got to it. I uh, have an open one here on band.video. Yeah, that's that's the, the, the platform that they've been using. Uh, I think yeah. InfoWars has been involved with. Social media has also embraced Weaver and her documentary. Whistleblower Zach Voorhees, who described himself as a senior software engineer at Google YouTube, uh, or YouTube Google, until... Uh, okay, I'm sorry. Let me do that again. Whistleblower Zach Voorhees, who describes himself as, quote, a senior software engineer at YouTube Google until I discovered their AI censorship weapons, end quote, tweeted the Friday, or tweeted the film at, uh, I think that's Periscope on Friday. And uh, since Voorhees tweet, uh, okay, so so the tweet says, so Millie Weaver might have been arrested because she was about to release the documentary Shadowgate. Uh, so Tori says, now suspended, release the film anyway. Uh, 12K viewers, sorry, Deep State, you can't stop what's coming. Since Voorhees' tweet three days ago, Twitter has now suspended Weaver's account. On Sunday, YouTube finally deleted in first, uh, the first upload of the complete Shadowgate film at the Tori Says channel. After it had gotten over 1.35 million views, the stated reason was that, quote, this video has been removed for violating, violating YouTube's policy on hate speech. Hating, hating criminals, I guess. A clarification courtesy of Heavy.com, preliminary reports that the charges against Weaver and Wentz were secret are a result of the fact that in Ohio, a secret indictment simply means the indictment is sealed until after the accused has been arrested. The Portage County Jail, where Reaver and Wentz are being held, has been the subject of investigations by both media and official bodies for a range of alleged complaints and problems. The Portage County Record Courier, in an article published January 25th, 2020, quote, FBI looking into Ohio County Jail mentioned a long list of violent abuses reported at the facility. After reading some of the articles about the jail that have 
been published recently. It is disconcerting to imagine what Weaver and Wentz may be experiencing during their stay there. Later today, the picture of what's going on with Weaver and Wentz will hopefully be clearer, assuming they get their day in court. The hearing is scheduled for 11 a.m. Meanwhile, the fate of journalistic critiques of the deep state and the ability of Americans to watch and read these critiques remain in serious doubt. So there you go. That's kind of the big overview of what happened here. Miller Weaver, you know, getting arrested. Yeah, sort of review. Sort of review. She made this uh, documentary or or something, a video of some kind, and was about to release it and got arrested the day before it was going to be released. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, you know, and I only watched part of the film. and you know it was it was okay it was you know the, the, some some people gave me some timestamps so that that helped a little bit uh, and and some of the the tech being used again nothing really new that we don't didn't really know already with a lot of um, uh, some of the coup and the cover up of of the whole RussiaGate situation being a kind of a misdirection all that kind of stuff yeah um, and so this isn't really from my take of this because I actually got a lot of, not a lot, but I got some heat when, when, before I knew about the mom and and everything else, I basically tweeted out that the whole Millie arrest seemed staged. I didn't say it was, but it kind of looked staged to me. And again, it doesn't mean she was in on it. It doesn't even mean that like Infowars is in on it. It just seemed kind of weird. It was just, I don't know. It was just very strange. And maybe it's the contrarian in me, but I just thought it was very convenient that she would get arrested and her again, as this American thinker article mentioned, you know, it basically put her celebrity at a different level, like martyr, you know, martyrville type of level and made the, the movie go viral in that way. And it's this brilliant, I mean, if it's a campaign, it's brilliant. It's the way (laughs) to do it. You know what I mean? I'm not saying it was, but it just had that feel to me. And, um, and it goes along with the thesis that we've had on the show here of suggesting that they, you know, they release things and then they ban it and they, they try to make it seem like this, there's all this information out there that they don't want you to see. And so it creates more of an interest and, uh, and convinces people that, Hey, maybe something is going on. Maybe there is truth here. And certainly I think there is, uh, you know, true things mentioned in this documentary, the part that really, uh, the thing that, man, it's always been a thing for me. I've always been a little skeptical. It, it, this is just me being critical or trying to be uh, watchful and vigilant in my processing of all this type of conspiracy stuff is believing uh, whistleblowers, you know, because this documentary is heavily based on a couple of whistleblowers. And anytime you have whistleblowers, it's kind of, you know, you just kind of got to take it with a little bit of grain of salt because you just don't know if those whistleblowers are part of the plot to, you know, misdirect even more or, you know, just, just making it seem like there's something there when, when there's not. And I go back to, uh, way back in the day, people that have been on YouTube since like 2006 and seven, uh, would know about, uh, Oh gosh, what's the name? Uh, Bill Ryan. And, um, there was a show, Carrie Cassidy. They had a, a really popular, YouTube show where they would interview all these whistleblowers and they would say the craziest things, you know, they'd be like, Oh yes, I definitely worked in the underground facilities and there are aliens walking around and they're just, you know, ready to come out anytime. And they, they had all these crazy theories and, uh, or, or alleged whistleblowing going on. 
and most of it was just you know entertainment really it wasn't, it wasn't anything factual it was just a guy talking about certain things that supposedly happened and uh project camelot thank you free truth in the chat project camelot and and i remember watching a lot of it and, and being interested in a lot in what people would say but always taking it with a grain of salt in this situation you know it's more i think it does have more of a truth ring in terms of what actually took place in in our legal system to cover up some things mm-hmm. um but uh and you know there was somebody that mentioned to me like why would it be a, a staged event did you see millie's daughter or son crying why would you stage that why would you make your son cry and yeah i agree like i don't think it was if it, it so here's the thing if it was like a deep state thing then it's backfiring big time like they haven't learned their lesson of like in america if you ban something it's just gonna like make it more popular or this was a little bit more of a sophisticated situation where they knew they had this argument they had some kind of opportunity they're just being opportunistic here to create this type of uh band truther uh, situation create a martyr type of situation to make mm-hmm. the film go super viral and especially if you have if you have it you know featured knowing that it's going to be banned on youtube like yeah. the, the the creators of the film must have known that youtube is going to yeah, ban of it. course everything like this gets banned right so so especially if if it's going to get uh you know, a lot of views. Yeah. Yeah. And so great way to push, you know, their own platforms like band dot, uh, what was it? Band dot, uh, tube or band dot TV. I can't remember video video. Thank you. Dot video band that video. Thank you. Yeah. So stuff like that. It's just, a you know, it's, it's disturbing because yeah, you don't want your kids to cry and, and all this type of thing. But, uh, and again, I'm not even blaming Millie for this. Like, I don't think she knew, like, I don't think she was in on any of this and maybe it is just some, prosecutor out there that's trying to to do his part for the deep state and try to take her down and you know he's getting a uh you know a slap on the wrist like hey you can't do that you know you got to do it our way or whatever i don't know yeah um but it just uh i think part of it is number one the reality of the the you know american law and order being disrupted yes 100 percent, yes so i don't deny that uh, and the cover-ups were real. I think that all, all that took place. Was Millie and Infowars in on this arrest? I don't know. I I, I really don't know. Um, but maybe it's someone higher up using the opportunity to create the situation. And it goes into a conversation. And if you look at uh, the episode art here, which I will put up uh, if you're watching on video here, and the chat kind of... Kind of covers up part of it here, but on one side I have the the Israel Israel nation state of Israel flag, which uh, really is supposed to represent the Zionist movement, which was the kind of the backbone of nation state Israel. And on the right side I have China, and actually I probably should have had that the other way, left and right. Anyway, uh, China, uh, the Chinese flag, the Chinese Communist Party, the CCP, and. Uh, in the in between them, they're shaking hands, and this has to do with the Belt and Road Project, which I'll mention yeah. in a moment here. Uh, but then you look at the politics in America, and it's been pretty clear that the Democrats are very much on side with the Chinese Communist Party. You got the socialist movement on the on the left, and uh, the Democrat Party is just moving in that direction. You can just—it's very obvious. On the other side, the Zionist side. 
you have Breitbart, you have, uh, you know, all these other groups that are aligned with Israel and they're more largely Republican. This is where you find a lot of the alt-right and the conservative right and uh, folks like Alex Jones and stuff have been very much, uh, you know, uh, labeled as such. And in the middle is the all-seeing eye, of course. Uh, we know that who's uh, really pulling the strings here. But the handshake in between with the the Belt and Road, I, I wanted to make this an imagery, uh, explain what might be going on here politically, because uh, there's an article that I have here that I wanted to share. And this was published by beltandroad.news. Mm. Okay, so this is directly from their own publication. This was published back in December of 2019. And there's a picture here of Israel on the left, China on the right, and they're sitting at this table. They're having like some kind of dinner thing. Uh, Israeli flag, Chinese flag. And um, this article is very interesting. I'll read some parts out of this. It says, Israel plays a vital role in advancing China's Belt and Road Initiative in the Middle East. Strengthening China-Israel bilateral cooperation is of great significance to developing the economy of the two countries, guaranteeing the national welfare of the two peoples and enhancing the strategic security in their neighborhood. It's very interesting if you think about it. You got the CCP China on one hand with a billion people, right? And, and on the other side, you got Israel with not that many people, like a lot less people, but they're like in on this whole Belt and Road thing. In recent years, under the framework of the Belt and Road Initiative, China-Israel relations have maintained a sound momentum of growth and economic and trade cooperation has been continuously promoted. In particular, in overseas projects and infrastructure construction, China has invested heavily in infrastructure projects in Israel. And it goes on, there's a lot of little details. Uh, it says here, the structure, uh, actually... Uh, let's see. Even as the shadow of trade wars looms around larger around the world, U.S., China, uh, China-Israel trade has maintained a sound momentum of growth. The structure of bilateral trade between China and Israel has been continuously improved, with the focus shifting from imports of single traditional commodities such as food and diamonds to imports of high-tech products and new energy. The product structure becomes diversified and technology intensive. I thought that was really interesting that the, the kinds of things that they're trading between Israel and China as a partnership involve high-tech products, new energy, and uh, struct, uh, product structures that become diversified and technology intensive. Uh, you know, speaking of the whole, you know, uh, the infiltration of the tech industry in America. And then it says here, in recent years, China-Israel economic trade cooperation has been further expanded, especially in the field of overseas uh, contracted projects and infrastructure construction. China has made a substantial investment in infrastructure projects in Israel. Uh, and it goes on here. Well, it's uh, I got one little thing here. At present, Alipay, again, this is December of last year. At present, Alipay is available at nearly 100 vendors in Israel, while Tencent Alibaba uh, Alibaba's peer rival in China has geared up to launch WeChat payment service in Israel. So there's a lot of economic ties going on here too. And, you know, we, we just talked about the, the, the peace deal, you know, with, with Israel and the UAE and all this stuff. It's, it's just, when you start, when you step back from the whole thing and look at all the geopolitical plays, it's like, man, th there's a higher order here controlling all of it. 
and to get lost in the mix of, Oh, the left, the right, this nation, that nation is to buy into the psyop. You know what I mean? Is to buy into, Hey, I'm for this. And so this is the correct way type of deal. And so I just thought it was very interesting to look at this uh, situation with Millie Weaver and the arrest and everything. Again, no, I'm not saying I know anything here. I'm just suggesting that given the ties here with these two countries being at opposite ends of politics and how the right, you know, the, the conservative right have basically labeled the deep state as the left. You know, they're they're right. kind of synonymous, you know, when it's really yeah. not. And I know, and I know uh, the film does a pretty good job of trying to, to show that there's bad actors on both sides. Right. And so I, I think Shadowgate did a decent job of showing that. But uh, when you start looking at the associations of the whistleblowers, uh, especially Tori, there's a uh, Tori says she's got a radio show and stuff. Um, I did do, I did clip something from her latest episode because she tracked down Tori's mother who allegedly was part of this uh, situation here. And I, she said something really interesting that I wanted to to clip just briefly here. Uh, this is Tori says that was published on uh, I think it was the fifteenth of August. Shining Light is the name of the episode, and she she's talking about tracking down Millie Weaver's mother. So here's the clip here. And I located the individual because I can locate anyone if I really want to. Okay, I could locate anyone if I really wanted to. Mm-hmm. Kind of, kind of, kind of. I located the individual because I can locate anyone if I really want to. Okay. I located the individual who had changed their phone number multiple times, found the actual individual, and had this attorney take a statement, an affidavit from them because then that wrecks the whole case. Then I can tell you that this individual was so enraged that this is happening, supposedly, that they were even calling. And look, that's what panic looks like. Because the thing is, this blow, these bloated charges wouldn't come out if you didn't make statements. So that's all going to come through. And you know what sucks is that the spotlight will be large because it's Millie Weaver. The spotlight will be large and they will want to use that against her. Or use it, you know, don't let any crisis go to waste type of situation and make the film go even more viral and, you know, the celebrity move up and stuff. Again, right. It's something that I'm, I'm, I've been looking at here a lot, and, and it's, I know it's a thesis of the show that, uh, well, number one, the, the truth of the spiritual war that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but then looking at all the moving parts of this whole New World Order thing and, and you know, the, the elite actors, and it's really, it's very fascinating when you look at the kind of relationships certain nations have, and it's almost like the United States is like this proxy battleground where these other nations and these other factions, so to speak, are here and sort of using the two political sides as puppets against each other. And the United, the American citizens are kind of caught in the middle, uh, you know, picking sides and, you know, really creating that uh, divide and conquer situation and, um, you know, order out of chaos, all those things comes into play here. So, uh, that's all I had here. That's kind of a long rant. Yeah, but. no, that's a great, that's a great breakdown. Yeah, I, I didn't get the chance to look into a lot of that stuff. So thank you for bringing it to the show. And uh, yeah, you know, I think when it comes to, 
it, there's a lot of stuff getting tied <clears throat> tied in with the Middle East and China. And, you know, again, just because you mentioned it quick, I know it wasn't the main point of the whole thing, but the uh, Abraham Accords between Israel and UAE, uh, it does sort of reek of, uh, you know, a, a uh, important cooperation for the further uh, the furthering of the Belt and Road Initiative yeah. and the transfer uh, of wealth between Israel and China. Um, and, you know, America just seems to either be staying out of the way or uh, actively trying to help it happen. And a lot of people in chat were m- mentioning uh, Silk Road uh, as a a reference to the the Belt and Road Initiative, and you can look it up. A very interesting thing with the Belt and Road Initiative about uh, you know it's an actual infrastructure project. Yeah, you know it's not some sort of uh, amorphous trade agreement. It's an actual infrastructure project where land uh, and ports and all sorts of things need to be a uh, acquired or or devoted towards railways and ports and things like that. Um, but there also needs to be peace in those regions because infrastructure at war is useless in, for trade, whereas infrastructure in peace uh, is, uh, is the most profitable way to go about that. So that connection um, was a very good one. Yeah, well, there you go. I don't know. I'll, maybe I'll have to take a peek at this uh, sh- shadow. What is it called? Shadowgate. Shadowgate. Is that the name of the film? Yeah. yeah, it is. Wow. Yep. There you go. Okay. Like the video game. I think there was a game called Shadowgate. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I haven't heard of it. Well, there you go. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Gonzo. It looks like we're uh, we're running out of time here. So yeah. that might have to be it for today's show. What do you say? Yeah. Yeah. We had some COVID stuff. We'll we'll try to tackle some of that. We'll, uh, we'll some crazy some stories up. coming yeah. up for the next we episode. Got some, yeah. We've got some really crazy stories waiting for Wednesday's show. So make sure to tune in on Wednesday. Again, right here, twitch.tv slash Radio, as well as the YouTube channels and Facebook all over the place. You know where to find us. So make sure to be uh, be ready for Wednesday's show. We'll be going live sometime uh, between noon and, you know, I usually say between noon and five. We're trying to get them done earlier. So, so we'll go live somewhere between noon and two or so. Um, so make sure to be ready for that and tune in on Wednesday. Um, any last words before we go, before we get this uh, train stopping in on the station? <laughs> the train, even, is that the... I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Land the plane the, uh... is the usual one, but I got trains on the brain. Is that the, yeah, is that because of the CAG oh, speaking train? Speaking of which, you gotta show the Trump. Okay. That's what will go in. That's, okay. That's why I have trains on the brain. Show, <laughs> show the Trump train video. I will. Give me, let me, give me a second to pull it okay, up here. Okay, so kinda... uh, Trump tweeted uh, <laughs> this really fun uh, 3D CGI video. Uh, the Trump train, if you're listening on the podcast, you can just Google it. It's, the video has been put everywhere, um, but it's, a, it's, uh, it's just fun. It's just it's talking a, about trains going into the station. It's a one minute clip. This was tweeted by our president, Donald J. Trump on August 12th of 2020. Uh, it, okay. Let me just, uh, I'll just play it with the audio here and it's got 13 million views, but oh uh, I, I think Trump is the master troll of all <laughs> master trolls when it comes to presidents, but here it is. Yeah. 
It's a big CAG red giant train. Trump, Pence, keep America great. Rolling through town. And uh, there it goes. Here comes Biden. Biden is on one of those push carts. And rubbed my leg down. So it was trained and then watched the hair. <laughs> Old timey train carts where you gotta pump that lever. <laughs> Moving slow. And I've loved kids jumping on my lap. Oh, jeez. We're probably gonna get copywritten for that, but yeah, probably. it's okay. Well, there you go. Make sure to Google it. It's a fun, it's a fun train, train, uh, train related video. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, thanks everybody for tuning into this episode. Remember, uh, we'll need some, uh, we'll need some production help. So if you're trying to become a producer, now is the time. Uh, you can head to patreon.com slash CCNT uh, to become a producer there. You can also go to canarycryradio.com slash support. CanaryCryRadio.com slash support. And remember, if you want to troll, if you want to continue to troll Gonz and I, you can make that uh, $33 <laughs> donation or pr- production help there over on uh, CanaryCryRadio.com slash support through PayPal. We thank you very much. Remember, you can send in art. You can send in jingles. Send in your stories of sh- rattling some cages to CanaryCryRadio at gmail.com. And also remember, a great way to help the show is to leave ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts and what other whatever other podcast player you're using to listen to the show. Um, we'll be back live on Wednesday afternoon, somewhere between 12 p, uh, p.m. and yeah, 2, 2 or 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So make sure to turn on notifications. Follow us at twitch.tv slash canarycryradio. Um, and... Oh. Uh, well, I just did ratings and reviews. Yeah, I was yeah, going to yeah. mention, oh. I think we mm. got some reviews on like Podbean and a, another one that we'll have to get to it for the, during the next episode because yeah. I know that we had some reviews coming yeah, in. Yeah, we'll do some reviews. We'll read some reviews. It'll be fun. Yeah. Okay. Um, but remember, one of the greatest ways to help the show out is to just share it with other people. You got people waking up in your life, your mom, your dad, your siblings, even just your friends. They are waking up to uh, the fact that the world is not exactly what they've been told. And if you want to help them out, uh, you can send them an episode of Canary Cry News Talk. Send them this episode. This was, this was We covered some good stuff in this episode and uh, we'll help them uh, down that narrow path of truth so make sure to let your let your folks know about the show in your life and if you need any more instructions here's what you do you walk right up to them you grab them by the cage and then you shake it the end of the world occurred pretty much as we had predicted i want to shake things up stir up some controversy rattle a few cages Don't ever silence me. I'm the last angry man, a crusader for the little guy. Leave the bird alone. Never. Rattle a few cages. Rattle a few cages. The human race will have every opportunity to improve. And if they don't? Ask Noah. 
That's right. Just ask Noah, folks. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Canary Cry News Talk. Make sure to tune in next time. Remember, that's Wednesday. But until then, all together now, think outside the cage. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I want to rattle a few cages. I want to rattle a few cages. I'm the last angry man. You'll never silence I'm me. I'm the last angry man. Oh, 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 I I'm it. the last angry man. You'll never silence I'm me. I'm the last angry man. A crusader for the little guy. Little guy. Little guy. Well, we'll see about that. Whatever, Illuminati. In the future, humans will be confined in a people's zoo. People, I'll keep you safe and Keep the cameras on